I find that that's the big fear for people when they know they need to uncover something and they need to return to themselves, but they've just been trying to stay out of that discomfort of what are they feeling in their body? If they stop working that hard, what's there? Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people, it's like, oh, uh, emotions that I haven't wanted to feel in a long time, a relationship I'm not happy in, a situation at work that I want to change, all sorts of things could be there when you start the listening. Truth. truth is there, right? Like, I think, <laughs> exactly. you know, I yeah. mean, honestly, truth is there. <laughs> like when we slow down, we have to face truth face our real feelings, face what we've been able to cover up or work over or work around, right? We have to kind of face the truth that's there. But man, it's so powerful, you know, when we do that. If you know there is something deep inside of you that is yearning to be seen, to be known and to have expression, If there's something you need to reclaim and remember, maybe it's your power, your purpose, your gifts, this is the podcast for you. Welcome to Reclaiming Ourselves. I'm your host, Sonia Statman, and I'm honored to have three amazing co-hosts, Laura Shook Guzman, Belinda Hahn, and Emily Sikorsi, here with me on this journey to self-discovery. Every week, we're going to help you unravel and remember what it means to reclaim yourself, to own who you are, to recognize your innate worth and greatness. Now, this podcast is a deep dive into self-development, healing, and empowerment. So hold on. Here we go. Welcome back to Reclaiming Ourselves. Today, I have Laura Shook Guzman in the house with me. I'm so excited in the studio. And we're going to be talking about a topic that seriously, Laura and I could probably spend like the next three days talking about. So we'll try to we'll try to limit it to an episode. But what we really want to kind of unpack and explore and look at is when we seek to reclaim ourselves. I think a lot of people can resonate with this idea that, you know, we want to reclaim ourselves. We want to get back to self. We want to return to self. And there's a lot of patterns, unconscious patterns, ways in which we kind of get in our own way or maybe sabotage our efforts to reclaim ourselves, things like people-pleasing, things like overdoing, overworking, over-serving, right? There's a whole lot of pieces that can get in the way of us truly reclaiming ourselves. And that's what we want to talk about today. What do you think, Laura? Yes, I'm all in on this conversation. And I agree, we could talk for days. So we'll try to see, get the highlights. Um, But I just think this is a a topic that's really close to home for both of us. And Mm -hmm. um, I'll out myself first, right? Personally, just, just really struggling with this in my own journey to be able to find time for myself, reclaiming my energy and my focus on self, having a lot of conditioning Mm. as a woman, growing up in the South and having a lot of these gender roles that I saw growing up and that I was encouraged to have, which was make sure everybody else's cup is full before you go get yourself what you need. 
Yes. And I think, you know, whether it's for women or men, there's a bunch of unconscious patterns that we have that gets in the way of our ability to to come back to who we actually are. And, you know, it starts out as children. It starts out in our family dynamics and family systems. And we lose ourselves along the way. And then we adopt kind of survival strategies or patterns. And we, it's so hard, even when we start to kind of break free and, and grab into like, oh, that's me. That's me. I'm feeling like myself again. Then we like fall into these default patterns. And I know, you know, like Laura, for me, um, it's been a lifetime of really unpacking and uncovering patterns. I mean, some I'm just like, gosh, is this still here? Is it still here? I've done so much work. I've unraveled this so much. Is it still here? You know, these are things that a lot of us face on a daily basis. And so, you know, we often talk about reclaiming ourselves to people, I think think everyone kind of says, yes, that sounds great. Wonderful. Let's do it. But the reality of what we have to face, the reality of what, you know, we're struggling to integrate inside of ourselves is what gets in the way, right? Yeah, absolutely. And right, you're right about its family systems, its culture, and what's been modeled. And I do think like the earlier that we took that behavior on, like as a coping skill or maybe a protective defense response, the earlier that we took that on often does mean it's the last to let go, right? It's like the earlier, whatever those beliefs that we had to take to survive and to be able to be safe in our family or just to be emotionally included, like a sense of belonging. So sometimes, you know, I talk about these patterns and people are thinking, oh, you know, I didn't have any survival patterns. I was in a very healthy, <laughs> functioning family. Everybody loved, you know, my parents loved me so much. It's like, well, that doesn't mean the psyche didn't have moments in which it felt a sense of threat to your belonging or to a sense of, do I fit here? Because we as human beings were wired to connect. And if we have a feeling that we're we are threatened that sense of belonging to your family, belonging to your community. So sometimes it's something that you're unconscious of that you did that was asserting your independence as a toddler, or maybe you're the artistic person in the family and everybody else is like sports fans. And then your little child part, yourself as a child might've learned, oh, to really fit or to get dad's approval or to get mom's wonderful gaze upon me where she's like, I'm so proud of you, right? We learn these things to say, oh, when I do this, they do more of that. I feel more belonging and inclusion. And so sometimes those types of thoughts or behaviors around conforming or people pleasing can start really young in a very healthy, you know, happy household, but to the detriment of that emerging self. That's right. And I think when we talk about reclaiming ourselves, right, the core of that is really just being able to be exactly who we are, able to be the personality type that we are, the energy type that we are, have the feelings that we have, have the sensitivities or lack of sensitivities that we have to just be ourselves. And, And in truth, where is it safe to really be ourselves in the world, right? And what family system really allows everyone to be themselves? Because we're indoctrinated 
from a very young age at who we're supposed to be, how we're supposed to operate, what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to strive for things. And our parents are very indoctrinated and we as parents are indoctrinated, right? So we carry forth these generations of indoctrination that even well-meaning parents, right? Even loving, well-meaning parents still can cause a rift in their child that the child doesn't feel safe to be themselves, right? And so if you think about it, if you go back into your life, because I've also heard a lot of people say, I had a great family. I didn't have any of these problems that a lot of people have. But if you actually sit and think about how safe does it feel to truly be yourself, right? And in your family, when you were young, how safe did it feel to completely be yourself, to be too much, to be too little, to have energy when you've been called lazy, when you were just slower, right? Slower paced or slower functioning, right? So in what ways were we, you know, shamed into needing to be something else? And that's the beginning of these patterns that then deny who we are And that's what we're striving to do in reclaiming ourselves, right? We're striving to come back to, you know, who was even that child before they got taught to be a certain way. Yes, exactly. And a lot of times people have a hard time answering that question. You know, I asked someone the other day, a client, what did you do as a child when you were unstructured, you know, and you could just play and they really struggled to remember like what that was like to just pursue a desire that came from an innate curiosity you know, that wasn't about performance or yes. about doing the right thing. And I think a lot of people as adults, they've forgotten that innate self that just wants to do what it wants to do, right? Mm-hmm. That Mary Oliver poem around, let the animal body love what it loves. And so there's a lot of cultural conditioning to start to deny those needs or those desires, those feelings. It's like, well, that's not popular. That's not okay. Or my family thinks I'm being rude if I'm introverted and I'm a bookworm. So I've got to start to be more extroverted or whatever it is that they feel means I am showing up and and they want to see more of. And so when we are in our relationships with work, then we might be overworking, afraid to speak our truth, feeling like we're afraid of disappointing our coworkers or our boss when this isn't just about work. This is a pattern that you're carrying from your personal life, from maybe maybe those early beliefs into an environment that you're not getting to advocate for yourself because there's just like this unconscious feeling of, oh, that's not okay, but I can't really ask for what I want. Or, you know, just a feeling of like something really bad will happen if I disappoint someone. Yeah. It's like, but why? I don't know why. I just feel it, right? This was like, I just know. And it's like, if you really get curious and start investigating those feelings, often you'll find they don't really come from this rational place. They come from a feeling place that has been conditioned over time to help you feel safe or feel a sense of belonging. Yeah, it's interesting. I've been really kind of unpacking this idea. I I saw this post the other day. I was going to read it. And it basically says, Western cultures believe we must have a purpose to work, to make money. Some indigenous cultures believe we are alive just as nature is alive, 
just to be here, to be beautiful and strange, that we don't need to achieve anything beyond ourselves to be valid in our humanness. And I think that reaches the core of kind of what we're talking about. If we believed that we were valid to just be beautiful and strange, right? Like to not have to achieve anything or to not have to get worthiness from someone or to not have to be validated by someone, that would be truly reclaiming ourselves. And how often have most of us felt that? I mean, I spent most of my life trying to achieve worthiness, trying to be good, trying to get the unconditional love of my parents, right? Like all these things that I changed about my nature, about my beautiful self in order to try to capture attention, love, worthiness, belonging, right? These very, very innate needs we have, these inherent needs we have as humans. And, you know, now I'm finally getting to a point in my life where I feel like, wow, I can just be, right? I don't need to achieve anymore. And that really changes the game. And I think what still is getting in our way when we kind of unpack these patterns is we're still looking for some of that, right? We're still looking to belong. We're still looking to please. We're still looking to be validated. And it is in opposition to the task of reclaiming ourselves. I'm so glad that you shared that post and that you just brought that piece of it to this conversation because that's such a strong conditioning in our culture, in our Western culture, like it said, in the United States, that rugged individualism, Mm -hmm. the striving always to earn your place at the table, to be a productive citizen, to contribute, right? It's like the worth, what are you, what are you bringing and not understanding the intrinsic worth the beauty of, of being a human being on this planet. You're, you're alive, just like all of the other creatures and the animals and the plants and the trees. It's, it's really an interesting way in which we've been conditioned to feel mm-hmm. like we have to earn that way to the table and how that striving and that people pleasing is definitely something then that gets, keeps you out of center because you don't really have a sense of I'm enough. It's if everybody else is okay, I'm enough. If I'm doing a good job at work, I'm enough. If my boss or my clients are happy, I'm enough. Mm -hmm. It's just a lot of pressure. And so then of course we feel limited in our freedom sometimes to just take a retreat or do things, right? I was saying to this, speaking to this before we got on the recording is how even taking a personal retreat for me is an ordeal, (laughs) is a psychological ordeal of getting my family prepared Mm -hmm. and making sure that it's a good time, you know, I'm checking. And of course there's logistics about that. Of course I have to be this thoughtful partner, but I take it over. I take it beyond just being like, Hey honey, what's your schedule? I'm going to take a retreat. Like I carry so much. And I know that that is because there's a sense of identity to be a good mom, an identity to be a good partner, an identity to be this certain worthy person. That's right. So even like people pleaser, right, is an identity of like, oh, but I am a person that 
takes care and makes sure that everybody's happy. And if I'm not that, then who am I? That feels really uncomfortable. Yes. And I think it's about the intention. There's an energy at play in all of these patterns. And so we can come from the energy of, I need to feel worthy. I need to feel validated. If I just do this, somebody will validate me. Somebody will give me what I deserve. You know, like it's coming from that energy Or you can still be kind and empathic and a caring partner and a caring mom from the energy of power, right? From the energy of like, I'm worthy just as I am. I don't need to please anyone. And yet I I desire to be kind, right? I desire to be thoughtful. And, And I think that's important distinction because when we're unpacking these patterns, we want to be able to understand where are we coming from? What is the motivation we have in doing that? And so for, you know, so often we have this justification, but I just want to be a kind person, but I just want to not be a selfish person, right? But when you start to unpack, where is that actually coming from? Is it about getting validation outside of me? Or do I feel filled and validated inside myself? And it's just about who I want to be. And And that's a very honest conversation that we have to have with ourselves because wrapped up in identity, you know, we often don't want to look at it. I know I spent a long time justifying how I was just a kind person. I was just a giving person, you know, and I am those things. And I was coming from a very depleted place. I was coming from a need to be validated, a need to be loved, a need to belong, a need to be respected. And when I unpacked that and realized that's not the place I want to come from, it really changed things. Mm -hmm. I, I appreciate that because I think that intention and then checking in, because I, I hear a lot of pushback Mm -hmm. with clients when I do say, what would that be like to take care of yourself and to be able to prioritize that? And it's like, that's not who I am. Like, I'm not the person (laughs) that does that. Like I'm the helper. And I guess I'm trying to say too, I hear a lot of people thinking of that as, well, that's not who I am. And also I don't want that quality, like seeing, taking care of self sometimes as a selfish act or as an indulgence or like, I want to be the helper. I want to be the one that is seen as the the good one, (laughs) as the one who's going to help others and and be self-sacrificing. And and that's where we get into gender a bit, like where women have received a lot of, you know, rewards for being self-sacrificing and kind of being that that person who can fade into the background and be a support. I know that even research shows that women in professional careers, just women that are working compared to their male counterparts will take on more of the emotional labor and more of the jobs that are non-promotable because they have that need to just make sure that everyone is taken care of. So even if it's not your job to like plan the Christmas party for your company, then it's like women will step in to that role. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, all of these things, all of these patterns that we have, they come from lots of different places, right? Like, you know, one of the reasons why I think Laura and I could talk about days and days and days of this is that 
there's a lot of pieces to it, right? There's a lot of, of ways that these patterns show up and there's a lot of reasons why these patterns show up. But I think, you know, what we can talk to is that starting to look at what are the behaviors, right? So what are those common patterns you have that consistently stop you from taking care of yourself, stop you from prioritizing yourself, stop you from being yourself. So it's like, you know, what are all those things that we can start to look at those and unpack those and play with those. And that has a big impact towards our ability and capacity to reclaim ourselves. If we don't look at those patterns, if we don't unpack those unconscious patterns, then it's kind of like reclaiming ourselves becomes this pie in the sky, right? This this thing that sounds good and that one day I'd love to achieve, but you know, we're not getting to the meat of what's really stopping us. Because I don't know, Laura, I mean, what do you think? Like, you know, this yeah. is definitely your realm of what you unpack a lot with people. I've done a lot of this unpacking as well over the years with my coaching. But how often is it the patterns that are chronic almost, right? That get in the way of reclaiming ourselves versus like a circumstance or a situation. Yes, very good point. It psychology is based on uprooting, unearthing these unconscious patterns because what we do understand is whatever is unconscious is often running the show. It's like the conscious patterns are there whether you want to acknowledge them or not. Now when they are emerging into your consciousness, you often have choice. When patterns are in the unconscious, they're usually operating like an automatic, kind of running the background noise here. And it's an automatic where you're not even going to think, do I want to offer to help and maybe choose to be in service of this other when I really want to take a nap? It's like you don't have a conscious choice. If it's unconscious, you're just doing the thing you always do. And when you bring that into awareness, you have choice, really. It doesn't mean that you'll always have capacity or the circumstances will always be in your favor to have that be an easy choice, but it means that you can consider like, is this really in my best interest? Is this really serve my value? Or am I really coming from a place that I choose to be kind because I have capacity or am I going to be resentful because of this? Am I going to be angry underneath my pleasing? Right. Right. And, you know, maybe it'd be good to kind of call out, like, what are some of the patterns that we've seen in our work with people over the years that really get in the way or sabotage the path to reclaiming ourselves? You know, what are some of the things, and maybe you and I can both name a few, because, I mean, there's lots and lots of things that can get in the way, but, you know, what are some really common patterns? Well, I think you mentioned one of them just a a little bit ago is this sort of fear of disappointing Mm. other people. People pleasing is a defense response and defense response, defense mechanisms are not always there to serve the best in ourselves. Like as far as the relationship to self care and taking time for ourselves, it's there to serve. Oh, I've got to keep this person safe because when we disappoint others, bad things happen. So there's just like a sense unconsciously that you're like, I can't disappoint people because something really bad will happen. So some of the exploration is understanding like that fear of disappointing others can be that there's a part of you protecting you from the fallout, right? It's like something bad will happen. Well, now 
talking about earlier when we were speaking about in our childhood, it's possible that when you didn't please, when you didn't do what was expected of you, that you did get in trouble or that you got shamed or you didn't get to eat at the table with the family or you did get grounded or all humiliated, you know, all sorts of things that felt very threatening to that young child. So you feel very much that there's a need to not experience that again, again, and that part that's the people pleaser is protecting you. So in IFS, we ask a question, we'll say, let's ask that protector part, what would happen to you? Like what would happen to Laura if you weren't always reading the room in, um, you know, predicting everyone's needs? Mm. Well, that part will often say, well, something really bad would happen to her. She would be humiliated. She'd Mm -hmm. be cast out or she'd be punished. You know, it's just like, that's an unconscious belief that's driving that. And so you really want to unearth that pattern because when we realize that, oh, wait, that's not what's happening in the present moment. I actually am in a very supportive relationship with a partner who values when I assert myself or I'm learning to choose healthy relationships that encourage me to to ask for what I need. Right. So there's a lot of like nuances. If we need to unpack that one a little bit, that's a big one. Fear of disappointing other people. And I think you can label it a lot of things, people-pleasing, right? I always kind of look at it as like the approval-disapproval dichotomy, right? Mm -hmm. We're either striving for approval or we're fighting to not have disapproval, right? So it's Mm -hmm. like it's such a core thing in so much of this that we're just striving for people to approve of us, for people to like us, for people to respect us, you know, whatever it is, whatever label it is that we use, right? So a lot of men might use, I'm, you know, want people to respect me. And a lot of women might use, I want people to like me, right? And so there's these different ways in which we describe it, but it all comes down to approval. Or if we've had a lot of experience with people who disapproved of us, our parents, our dads, you know, someone who didn't approve of who we are, didn't approve of how we operated, didn't approve of what we did, then we're scared of that disapproval. We're scared of being judged. We're scared of people not liking us. We're scared of being shamed. We're scared of being cast out or not belonging. And so, you know, we have kind of these like these two things. We're striving for approval or we're scared of disapproval. and you know, that pattern is big. And we have, there's, like you said, lots of nuances, lots of ways we do that. And I think it was really good what you mentioned, because, you know, the more I dig into trauma, the more that I understand the nervous system and how, like all of these patterns were originally instigated for survival. And and that's okay. And this is why when we're doing this kind of work, when we're exploring ourselves, when we're doing self-development work, you know, it's not about shaming ourselves or making ourselves wrong or saying, oh, these bad patterns, you know, and I love that you brought internal family systems up because I think I love the process of internal family systems. It's such a beautiful way to look at these parts of ourselves that helped us survive, that protected us, that honored us. And we can really love those parts and say, thank you for that. And they're no longer necessary, right? They're no, we're yes. adults now, or we're in a good loving relationship, or we do have some measure of safety. And so it's great to recognize that so that as we start to look at these unconscious patterns, and as we start to explore this, we're not re-traumatizing ourselves, you know, because we're like, so wrong, we're bad. How do we have these patterns? They're totally natural. They're adaptive. They're beautiful biological responses. 
And we can heal them and respond in a very different way. And there's, I think there's lots of other patterns, right? Mm-hmm. But I think people pleasing and that approval, disapproval is kind of the core of a lot of them. I think one of the other patterns I think is really good to kind of explore in this area is disconnection as well and distraction, right? Because when we disconnect from the body, when we disconnect from our um, feeling sense, our intuition, the trust that we have in ourselves, well, that definitely takes us out of reclaiming ourselves, right? So much of reclaiming ourselves is coming back into to the body is reclaiming our sense of self, our feeling sense, our intuitive sense, our wisdom, our trust in ourselves. And so I think that's a a pattern as well. And we're all really good at that pattern and the world does not make it easy (laughs) for us to, to stop it. You know, I can be constantly distracted and constantly disconnected. It takes a lot of consciousness to root myself back into myself. But I think that's another big pattern that, you know, can get in our way. Yes, absolutely. And that is like the next one on the tip of my tongue. I was like, and then there's the, you know, overwork, overfunctioning, that distractibility, constantly staying busy. And we know that like that is so much of the hustle culture and the grind culture that we see in today's business world. It's interesting because on one hand, you know, I'll have clients come in saying, I know I've got to be in therapy or got to slow down. I'm really stressed out. I'm starting to see all of these ways in which this affects my body and my mind. And then of course, when I'm suggesting, well, one of the biggest things we can do is like start slowing things down and find time for you to reconnect Mm -hmm. to yourself, return to yourself. They are terrified. (laughs) It's just like, they're like, that's wait, that's the worst thing you could have told me to do. How am I supposed to be still? You know, I haven't, I haven't known how to be with myself in ages. You know, a lot of people have forgotten. I love it. It's Pico Iyer, who's the author of The Art of Stillness. Mm-hmm. He also has a really wonderful TED Talk on this subject. He said that we've really lost the ability to move with the rhythm that is the animal body of, of yes. being a human. Yes. And that we have started moving like machines yes. that we've really started treating each other like machines, expecting ourselves to move. And it's just a unsustainable pace. It's not meant for us. That's not how the human body is supposed to perform and move in the world. And yet that's this really fast pace. And I, I find that that's the big fear for people when they know they need to uncover something and they need to return to themselves, but they've just been trying to stay out of that discomfort of what are they feeling in their body? If they stop working that hard, what's there mm-hmm. and for a lot of people, it's like, Oh, uh, emotions that I haven't wanted to feel in a long time, a relationship. I'm not happy in a situation work that I want to change. All sorts of things could be there when you start the listening. Truth. Truth is there, right? Like I think, exactly. you know, I mean, yeah. honestly, <laughs> like when we slow down, we have to face truth face our real feelings, face what we've been able to cover up or work over or work around, right? We have to kind of face the truth that's there. But man, it's so powerful, you know, when we do that. And 
I've really had a very palpable experience of shifting down, right? Like moving to a different country in Mexico, a different culture, a different pace. It's taken me seven months, I think, to truly feel like I am operating slowly, right? I'm enjoying the moments. I'm I get nothing done many days. Like, you know, it's like, it's this very interesting experience to, you know, we talk a lot about in self-development or in these realms, we talk a lot about slowing down. We talk a lot about taking care of self. The reality though is, is very different and challenging. Like when you first start to slow down, every fiber of our being wants to keep hustling, right? Like it's so fascinating. You know, I've watched my default and I mean, I've been an advocate for slowing down for a long, long time, but really doing it to such a slower pace is hard. And the world, you know, like still I have these defaults that come up that are like, oh, you got to get more done. Oh, this project is taking forever. Like I used to be able to get this done in a month and now it's taking like a year, you know, it's like there's such a different reality when you actually allow yourself to slow down and feel what you feel and experience what you experience. And it's amazing and beautiful and wonderful. But, you know, I also think it's good to acknowledge that the patterns that we're discussing today and this journey in and of itself to reclaiming ourselves, it's a journey. It takes a lot of time and it's hard and you're not going to just wake up one day and be like, I'm going to stop people pleasing, right? Like I've been trying to stop people pleasing for like 30 years, right? (laughs) And it just is stuff that we I guess as we become more and more aware of things, right, we're able to shift and change the patterns, but sometimes the shifting is subtle. And so, you know, we're bringing this to your awareness because it's a good reminder for many of us. It's a good understanding that, oh, yeah, I do have these things happening and they're at play and I can acknowledge them and I can also recognize they're not going to change tomorrow. (laughs) That's right. Yes. And I think that's why you and I always find it so important to talk about what are the barriers that we face in this self-development? What are the obstacles that are going to come along? What are the emotional challenges? Because it's not, we know it's not a, a switch that you can flip, you know, from one state to another. It's a journey. And it's a practice that does get rewarding. You know, it rewards us over time. I think sometimes my clients can get discouraged when it's not happening enough, but I'm like Mm -hmm. every day that you come back to that new way of being more conscious with that awareness, more conscious with that choice or that pattern, then you're creating a stronger pathway that's next time will feel more automatic. That will feel a little bit easier, but it's like, we've got to come back and practice and practice and practice. And some days we'll be really resourced and, you know, have a lot of capacity for being conscious and, and making that choice that serves the return to self. And other times we're exhausted, we didn't sleep, our kids are, you know, struggling and we're pretty depleted. So we're going with that automatic response, you know, so we just step in and do that thing to overfunction, overwork instead of being with the feelings and trying to process and release those, right? It's like there's so much compassion that we have to bring to the different states that we're going to be in. Yet I'm a big believer if we don't strive for that consciousness, if that self-awareness is not something I'm just every day, like hoping to get a little bit more of, 
then what? I'm staying in the darkness intentionally. You know, I'm staying unconscious. And I think there's so much that comes from that revealing. I had a client actually I'll share the other day because it's not always that you get this like positive feedback. So, so well delivered. You know, I have a client, his younger client in his twenties and he's been coming to therapy first time to do therapy. And he's like, I thought that coming to therapy was going to be extremely difficult. Like we were just going to stay in the trenches and we were just going to mm-hmm. deal with all of the stuff. And he's like, but I find that I really like this. I look forward to this yeah. every week because I'm learning about myself and I have more choice. I, I feel more involved. Like I get to make these changes. I loved that. I loved his yeah. perspectives. Like you made my day. <laughs> it's like hearing, you know, and that's why you and I have these conversations. It's really amazing to open your awareness and your consciousness. And like somebody could be listening to this podcast for this entire season and just have been like, yep, that sounds great. But every time I try to return to myself, it's not happening. Yeah. And I just want to invite the listener that might have a little bit of that dialogue to think, huh, if I got really compassionate and really curious for a moment, I wonder what it is. Mm. What keeps stopping me? Is it when every time I have a minute to be quiet and take that bubble bath or listen to my own thoughts that I pick up another thing for work or that I volunteer for another thing at my kid's school? You know, am I not asking for what I need because I'm afraid that's going to put everybody else in a bad spot? Just like, just start thinking about that. Like what's driving that resistance to yeah. being with yourself? Yeah, I love that. And it's a little bit of a tangent, but you know, I, I want to like Bring finish it on. this. <laughs> yeah, finish this as our wrap up before we get off. But you mentioned resourcing. And I think in my opinion or my perspective, reclaiming yourself is a lot about resourcing yourself. And a lot of these unconscious patterns that we have, they're really about depleting ourselves, right? They're running ourselves into the ground. People-pleasing runs us into the ground. Striving, hustling, grinding, disconnecting, all those things run us into the ground. None of those things resource ourselves. And I feel like, you know, that's a really important thing, you know, as you're exploring yourself and your patterns, like how often are you choosing to resource yourself? And Laura and I actually did a great podcast on resourcing in the Women in the Business Arena podcast that we had. Um, And so we can link that in the show notes. But I think it's a really important piece we don't talk enough about. And, you know, the more... I'm exploring um, in some of my trauma classes that I'm taking. You know, one of the first things we do before we can really unpack all of our patterns and unpack, you know, all of our trauma is we have to to have resourcing, right? We have to resource ourselves. We have to feel like we have capacity to navigate these patterns. And I think it's really interesting because we never talk about that. We never talk about how to resource ourselves, how to get what we need to feel like we have capacity. The reason I brought this up is because if anything, right, like, you know, as we're exploring how to, re- how do I reclaim myself? How do I, you know, step into that? How do I really, you know, navigate these unconscious patterns? Sometimes I think if you can just ask yourself, am I resourcing myself in this moment? Do mm-hmm. I have the resources that I need before I give to someone else or before I people please or before I hustle? Or can I take a step before 
that to actually give myself something that I need, more capacity, more space, more energy, more sleep, right? Whatever it is. That's a good exploration to look at, you know, how many of our patterns are depleting us versus resourcing us. Yes. I love that. And what does that take? It requires a pause without firing that automatic unconscious pattern. So back to that point of the more, you know, why is this important? Well, as you become more aware, and this is even just mindful awareness, you know, it's like, we're not saying you have to dive in to every one of those deeper feelings, but just pausing and because you heard us have this conversation, maybe you're listening and then you're in that situation where you're like, oh yeah, this is a moment. I just pause and I choose to check in. Am I resourced? Mm -hmm. And that's the question. And that's what I really love about the more self-aware we are, the more choices we have. Yes. Right. Yes. I mean, a truly self-awareness is everything. I mean, in so much of my work, I teach about emotional intelligence, right? In corporate environments or, you know, to communities. Really, I believe emotional intelligence is the solution for diversity and inclusion work. It's the solution for burnout. It's the solution for like pretty much everything in my opinion. And the core of emotional intelligence is self-awareness. Like if we all become more self-aware, we will stop burning ourselves out. We will learn how to manage our energy. We will learn how to include people. We'll be more aware of our racism, right? All of these things happen with self-awareness. We'll set better boundaries. We'll even know that we need boundaries. We'll understand we're depleted and we'll resource ourselves. I mean, I truly believe self-awareness is the solution for all of mankind's problems. <laughs> you know, yes. it's not a small thing. And we sometimes diminish it or make it this like, oh yeah, self-awareness. Great. Now what? Now what? Like it's, mm-hmm. it, it is, it is the what. <laughs> yes. It's so foundational and you're right. And I have that response too from many clients of like, well, just because I'm aware of it, now what? Like, what does yeah. that change? And I was like, ooh, don't underestimate the fact that we've just made helped make this more conscious in your awareness. And the reality is, is that just like everything, it takes this practice too, because it's a, you're aware of it in this moment as we're talking about it. But then when your, your nervous system is dysregulated, when you're feeling a sense of emotional or physical threat, then those automatic patterns are still right there and ready to protect you in the way that they know how. Mm -hmm. And so as we ask ourselves, like what's happening, you know, what's, not what's wrong with me right now. It's what is happening. Mm -hmm. Bring it to the breath, calm myself, get myself back to center and how am I resourced? And and then what's really happening so that I can make a conscious choice, what I feel would best serve me in this moment, instead of just automatic, everything's happening before you can even think. And it's all coming from that survival pattern that was keeping you safe for all the important reasons at some point, but you're no longer that child or in that moment or in that, with that person. It's like, what is it like to return to yourself by noticing your present self? Yeah. And when you unravel these patterns, you know, when you unhook yourself Mm -hmm. from approval or disapproval or disconnection or these things, and you 
really do come back to value who you are, that's the joy in reclaiming yourself. Like the whole reason we kind of started this podcast and this process is, is to highlight how important it is, how freeing it is, how joyful it is, how alive it is when we finally just acknowledge how awesome we are, right? When we finally just acknowledge that this is who I am and it's absolutely okay and I don't need to be anything for anyone else. I can be nature, right? I, that's a good, you know, going back to that quote, I can be nature. I'm beautiful and strange just as I am. I'm not like out yes. there. I don't need to do anything, accomplish anything. I can just be a flower. I can just be the sun coming up and down. I can just be the wind, right? Like I don't have to yes. have an agenda. I don't have to mean something. That is truly freeing and opens up more choices than you can ever imagine. Yes. This has been really a good conversation because I needed to hear this again too, as I practice more and more, I think as we wrap up the the end of this season and even just on the calendar, we've got a 2023, not too far in the future. Yeah. And I'm just thinking a lot about, you know, how these themes of importance of sovereignty and allegiance to self, returning to self, reclaiming our innate wisdom and um, truth. It's just, it's really a beautiful intention for, you know, the new year for me personally. Yeah, I agree. And I, and I think, you know, all of the co-hosts and me included, you know, we've all talked about behind the scenes that, you know, doing this podcast, having this season has all been a journey for us as well, right? Reclaiming ourselves, reminding ourselves of, you know, what we still haven't reclaimed. Like it's a process. We're going to unpack a little bit of that, you know, personally in the panel episode, we have our final episode of the season, but it's just a constant journey and process. And I love all these reminders having these conversations and being part of this process um, because I think we all need to hear them. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks, Laura, for joining me. And thanks so much to all of our listeners. And we will see you next week. Well, thanks for joining us today. And I hope you enjoyed the show. If you want to learn more about this topic, head over to consciousambition.com. You can sign up for my email list so you never miss an episode. Have a great day and we'll see you next time. Get him.